It's the podcast specifically for the Australian country music industry. Our country. Conversations with prominent Australian country music identities. Recorded and produced in Tamworth, Australia's country music capital at Radio 2TM. And now, the host of our country, 2TM presenter and award-winning singer-songwriter, Sally Ann Witten. Welcome to the very first Our Country podcast. When we sat down to discuss the idea of this podcast, we really wanted to make it an industry podcast that would be educational and informative, but still entertaining. We put together a wish list of artists, managers, promoters, musicians, songwriters, producers, etc. to have on the podcast. But right at the top of the wish list was someone who we believe is fast becoming arguably our most loved and successful artist, Troy Cassadaly. Troy was in Tamworth for the Tamworth Country Music Festival when we recorded this interview and since then he's added to his tally of Golden Guitar Awards after his beautiful song Shadow on the Hill won Heritage Song of the Year. Here's my conversation with Troy Cassadaly. Troy, thank you so much for agreeing to be our first special guest for our series of Country Music, uh, the Business of Country Music podcast. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Sal, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm proud to be the first ship off the, off the, off the dock and um, I think it's great to be able to talk about what is the music business. It's not just the music, you've also got to be a part of the business as well. It is a business uh, and, and uh, you've just had a break away with your family and uh, when I spoke to your manager she said I can't contact him just yet because he's away having a break uh, and I thought that's awesome that's, uh, that you managed to get a break bef- you know, before what's gonna, a massive hectic year and I know lots of managers would probably be texting you and, and Facebooking you all the time going Troy, Troy, Troy I know you're trying to have a holiday but I've got this thing I want you to do so how great is that relationship between you and your manager that's obviously developed over quite a period of time that you've got that understanding how important is that and how important is it to have a proper break as a, a touring artist, look. Look, first of all, Sal, as as managers go, um, Roxanne's been the best manager I've had, and I've had some great managers, um, really good people. But Roxanne, I think she just um, knows how to balance. I'm not a very good balance person. M- my wife is, but I, I tend to sort of say yes to a lot of things I should probably say no to, and I, I upset the balance quite regularly. But I've I've grown over the last ten years uh, under Rox's management just to be able to respect my time off. And, um, and I think it's really important for your head and for your family and for, like I say, the, the family work balance thing. But then there's the, um, the time it takes to actually relax. It's very hard for me. I still have to take a guitar with me. Of course. But she will not uh, text or anything and she totally blocks it out, which I think is really, really important. And um, you get that proper piece, you can go and throw a line in, you can catch some fish, hang out with your kids, go for a surf. Um, you know, go out at the back of my mum's place, go and catch some witchy grubs, do the stuff I used to do as a kid. Yep. And, um, and I absolutely love it. And it must be hard, though, to get that balance. You say you're not good at balance, and I don't know that anyone's good at balance, especially for someone with such a high-profile career in the country music industry. How do you balance being spending all that time in the studio and, and having that time alone to be creative, uh, writing and planning songs, and then touring? How do you balance that with a family life at your end of the career? How do you do that? It's, it's, it's an interesting one because I, I always put it down to like being like a juggler in a circus. You know, every now and then you're going you're gonna to drop the ball. <laughs> and I do. But I try and keep most of them in the air. And um, so there's the, the writing. Uh, I think you've got to dedicate time to writing. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to sit down and write a song today at breakfast and then I'm going to go and drop the kids to school and then I'm going to do this. You, you actually got to wake up and be a songwriter. Get the kids to school. 
turn the phone off, uh, go through your ideas you've written down or go through your phone for all the melody ideas you might have yep. recorded, which I do all the time, and I know everyone that has a recorder on their phone must do. And um, I think you, you then stop everything else and be a songwriter. Same within the studio. Turn the phone off, um, look at the next song you're about to record, and look at the arrangement you've put down first, see if you can maybe change it or make it better, if it's okay the way it is. Talk to your producer if you have one. Um, you've really got to dedicate and focus on the thing, the task at hand. I, I found I used to sort of get mixed up with a lot of things, trying to get three or four things done at the same time. And Sal, it just doesn't work. I, yeah. I think the product always shows that. And I can tell looking through my old songs of the ones where I had three things going on the back burner where I should have just had the one. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've, I've learned to, to just dedicate my time to one thing. My, like Jimmy Barnes, when I was telling you before when we were here in, in December, Jimmy Barnes was looking for a song for a new record, but you have to have read his two books to give him a song because the, the, the whole thing is about them. Yeah. And as luck had it, I'd read the book. So I had a, a poem. And I had 24 hours to turn the poem into a song. No pressure. <laughs> oh. And Laurel said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing this song for Jim. Uh, I said, but I, I don't have an opening motif or anything. I need to have something strong. So I was laying next to her in the bed. We're watching some dumb thing on TV. And I'm just churning over the ideas, as songwriters do. Yep. They go real quiet. I wasn't really answering her. I was just really focused on the song. And she thought you were cranky with her, probably. Probably. <laughs> and then I jumped up really quick. I said, hang on, I'll be back in a minute. And I went out, grabbed my old acoustic, put the phone on the table, came up with this like a sort of like a bit of a, a Scottishy sounding thing. And um, and it ended up being the intro chorusy thing that they played as the motif through the song. Perfect. And I thought that's that's from concentrating from that 24 hours I had. I was about at the 23rd hour almost of getting this song yep. to gym the next day and that, that came to me. Last minute. If it wasn't for the last minute, hey? Oh, very important. <laughs> yeah. Very important. So you've, I mean, Troy, you've had an incredible career spanning well over 20 years in the country music industry. From your experience and what you see now, what do you think the key is to sustaining such a career long term? We're talking long term career. Someone like yourself, like Lee, um, Keith, all those guys. What's yeah. the key? Or keys is no doubt not just one factor. Oh, look, I, I think being a good listener for starters is, is, is a really good asset to have as an artist. Listening to what your audience is chasing, I think, is, is important. Knowing who, who they are, um, you shouldn't treat them like they're second-rate citizens. Some people call them punters and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of think people underestimate their intelligence at times and, and, and they try to dumb things down. They're not dumb. They're really smart, thinking people, a lot of your audience, and they're people that deserve really good product. And I always figure that it's like a restaurant. Um, if things aren't broken, you don't change them for the most part on your menu, but you do love to get something new yeah. offered when you go to your favourite restaurant. They'll have their standby that's you know you'll get a great meal every time it's there. That's what an album should be like. But I think that there's about three or four other dishes you should be chucking on the menu for your audience uh, to give them some other little part of what you do and it might be the fact I love blues and things like that too and I do have a lot of old traditional country loves as well and I always put elements of that stuff on records just for for that side of my musicality I suppose because I, I do still love and get passionate about it. Do you find it's a fine line with that? Because you want to evolve as an artist all the time and bring new stuff in and, and new influences and and create something new. But as you say, you don't want to 
for lack of a better word, you know, cheese off your audience. No, no. Who love Troy Casadale for what Troy Casadale does. But you don't want to be stagnant either. It's such a fine line. And how do you navigate that? It's a tightrope. It yeah. really is. And, I, and I, I totally get the fact that, you know, people think you might make the same album twice because stylistically you're in that zone. You're in that real, say you might be doing a singer-songwritery thing where I might have gone from one record to the other that I produced myself. And you're always trying to push yourself. But for the most part, you try and keep it so that it's it feels like it's familiar. Yeah. I like familiarity. Yeah, I, I don't like change a lot. I have to push myself to change. Whereas the next record I'm putting together now, there's a lot of other people's stories on their sale. So it's I'm allowed after doing this this Barnsley song and hearing the, the sentiment in it as well. It wasn't written about me. It wasn't my town that was being shut down. It was Jim's. It was Elizabeth in, in Adelaide. So... You're allowed to be a voice for other people. I think we shouldn't forget that. Um, if there's something that you've read somewhere or that's moved you or someone you've met, say, at a pub somewhere where you've sat down and had lunch and they've given you a bit of a story, that's quite inspiring. Um, it's almost like I want to call the next record, oh, this is, these are some of your stories. Yeah. There's nothing about my life. Yeah. This is some of the great stuff that I get the privilege of sitting down and hearing. That's the sort of record I want to make next. And, and it might take me into some stylistic changes. But I'm ready for it because, you know, I think it's exciting. So when you do a new album like that, how do you pick a team? How do you know who the right producer is? Who is the right guitar player to give you the right flavour? What studio to go to? Who to co-write with? Is it an organic kind of go as you go? That song needs Matt Phil to produce it. That song needs Duncan Toombs. That song needs... Alan yeah. Orish, I don't know, yeah, you know, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those sort How of things. You know? They're very, very important. I I look at, um, sometimes I see the last couple of records that Casey's done, she split her production credits over three people or two. It might be Nash does this bit, Paul Kelly does that, and the bloke that does uh, Bernard Fanning did the other third of the record. I'm not afraid to do that. I've already got four songs that I've recorded with Nash Chambers in Nashville that I absolutely love but I know that there's going to be more songs that might be need some stylistic difference that I may have to record at home here yeah and then send them to Nash to mix but I'll have to get someone else to engineer I'll have to get a, get a different group of players the players we used on that were very much like a Ryan Adams band yeah and it was so cool and then I'm, I've been listening to someone like Jason Isbell at the moment yeah so it becomes an influence on what you're doing I like the fact that he plays his own guitars I think it's encouraging for an artist if you do play guitar and love it you should get in there and play your own lead breaks on certain things and show a little bit more of yourself yep when you record an album like that though is there a danger of if you're doing a little bit in Nashville a little bit over here a little bit there of piecing that together and it sounding a bit pizza-ish is that does that come back down to the producer and the engineers to, to blend that all together and get the mastering so it's different yeah. but still not so different it sounds like you've just pieced it together in bits oh look when people say if you're going to make an album and it starts turning into a pizza don't make it a supreme (laughs) (laughs) excellent advice (laughs) you know keep it as a margarita and maybe uh, a pepperoni or something like that but don't go the supreme because then you know you've done a real job of it yeah and and i think there's certain ways that um I like to hear vocals mixed. Nash really got it. And he was a real, for a while there, he was a real advocate for dry vocal mixes, yes. which I really love. Yep. I love it when it's in your face because in another 20 years, it'll still sound like it's in your face. That's right. The reverb won't sound like 1982. <laughs> and and I like that. And sometimes I actually have to instruct certain people to go, hey, listen, I love where the vocal is, but I just want about half that reverb. Yeah. Because I think those sorts of things can really date your music. Yeah. So I, I'm very conscious of that in the long term. And 
if it if it means looking up a couple of different engineers, like some younger kids here in Australia that are really doing some big things with other artists, I should be sourcing their help out and seeing what they're doing. I mean, yeah. what, what are the, what's the young kids that are doing things with Amy Shark or with uh, Tash Sultana or someone like that? Who are these engineers? I mean, are they doing it themselves? Yeah. Or do they have some young kids who are really cutting edge that don't have to necessarily know country? Yeah. What they have to do is get good signal to tape That's or to, right. to digital. It might bring you some new ideas in. I know I my first three albums I used uh, Anton Hagop from 301 Studios who'd won an aria for Silver Chairs album. Well, there you go. But he'd worked with Lee Kernigan, he'd yep. worked with and what I feel like what he brought into our recording was just a fresh new take where it seemed like everybody was using the same producers and, and the same engineers who were spectacularly talented. Yeah. But just new, slightly new ideas on how to record an amp or, you know, how to get your best out of a vocal take. It's just, I think it's a really smart thing to do. It's also smart for any any people listening that are about to embark on recording. It's also smart to keep all your vocals. Sing Always. like you're going to keep them. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people don't recapture what they heard when they first heard the band play the song uh, in, in the vocal booth the next couple of days. Um, you sing it a certain way the first time you hear it because it's almost like being at the birth of a baby. Yeah. And I always encourage people, the last two records I've done, they're all pretty much the, the, the guide vocals because I really wanted to make sure I captured what it was going to be like with an incredible band. I, I, I'd booked the A-Team band in Nashville that I've loved for years that have played on all my favourite records. So you might have a Brent Mason sitting in the corner playing guitar. You've got Michael Rhodes on bass. You've got Eddie Bayers playing drums. Um, you've got, oh, I think, Steve Nathan playing keyboards. And, you know, you've got Paul Franklin coming into Overdub oh, later on that day doing Steel. And when I hear them play, they play so well. It's like they've rehearsed for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm singing to a band track that sounds like they've been playing it with me for a year. And it's just so inspiring. And I said to my engineer, look, I'm not going to play acoustic on this thing. I said, I'll get Biff Watson to play acoustic. He'll play the guide parts. If I feel I need to change anything and personalise it, I'll go back and do it tomorrow. But catch the vocals. Yeah. Because that's the most important part. Yeah, you can't be that energy when you're inspired with that sort of environment. I, I think oh, that's so, it's, so it's important. It's fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, I've even kept things where I've made little lyrical mistakes, but I've liked it so much I've thought, bugger it, I'm keeping it. Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a character and one yeah. tiny mistake, it doesn't even matter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's Fix right. it in the mix. Yeah, <laughs> Quote, unquote. So, you know, with career, Career these days is completely different uh, planning, I think, probably to when you first started in, in many different ways. And I think particularly the advent of social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that kinds of thing. While it's a great tool, I mean, we can connect with people all over the world. Well, I think one of the bad things is that you are accessible and people expect you to be accessible basically 24 hours a day all the time. Uh, as good as social media is for all of the things do you think it's a little bit of a hindrance sometime as well or are you thumbs up, it's just awesome, Facebook's the best tool for selling and promoting? Where's the line with that with you, Troy? Look, I, I ran from it for a while, Sal. I, I, I didn't even embrace Facebook for a while, but I think you realise it's going to be a tool for uh, connection. Yeah. It's really just a tool for connection, not, yep. not promotion as much. A lot of people use it for promotion. I find the people that promote themselves all the time on Facebook I find pretty boring. I like connection. I like seeing what their lives are like. And the stuff we put up, sometimes, I mean, I'll have to post things about gigs because that's how you let everyone know. Yeah. But I do like getting on there and just being who you are because that's what people should be able to get. Yes. Not, oh, by the way, I'm playing here, playing there. If that's all it is, just set up a separate site 
and let it happen. But it, I find it's a it's fun to be personal to a point. Now, there's times when you've got to stop it and get off. And there are times when people think they're music critics too. <laughs> and, um, and I don't buy into that. I like reading it and have a laugh to myself. I think to myself... Uh, just because you've got a, a like p- a page or whatever, it doesn't make these people a critic of music. I mean, That's some right. of them haven't strummed a chord in their life and they're telling you how to make a record. Yep. That's funny. But I, I, I think you have to be very conscious of not buying into too much of what people say because you do get trolled. Oh, absolutely. People will troll you for anything. I mean, oh. if, if Keith and Nicole can get trolled for donating $30,000 of their own money to charity. I know. We're, <laughs> we're all targets. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and they're, they're, they're the example of... You know, when people uh, just feel like picking on someone, they yeah. just go for the biggest fish, you know, and it's just sad. And and I think that I, I've used it for what I need to. I there's, There was one, a line in someone's song that said, I, I, I do sometimes get lost in my phone, which I do because sometimes I'm mad on guitar sites. Yeah. So I'm going and watching live things about people playing guitar. And as a musician, I think it's healthy to see what everyone's doing and um, and to, to actually take interest in what everyone's doing because, I mean, it's a, it's a great community, the guitar community. And, but once again, you get people with attitude and, and have opinions. Yes, and everyone's I just want to let one. everyone know that, you know, hey, your opinions count, but if they're not nice, keep them to yourself. Of course. You know? Always good advice. Oh, God. So would you say then, you know, for artists, up-and-coming artists, social media, it's good to share, and I feel like you do it particularly well. You share just enough of your own family life and your own personal life just to let people give a little bit of an insight to who Troy Cassadaly really is, but obviously you don't need to be, this is what I had for breakfast. Here's a picture of my Avo toast no. uh, and a picture of my me with my toes in the bath or, yeah, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah. but just enough to connect with people to let them know a little bit more about who you are. Look, I'd say to the kids, this is what worries me. I think a lot of young kids, and I'm not going to sound like an old fart, but I do think a lot of them put way too much emphasis on the pictures. Yeah. Put as much emphasis on the music as the pictures. If you're a fair dinkum musician and you're on Instagram and you're a 20-year-old kid, bloke, uh, girl, um, we need to see your videos of your singing. Mm, not not, not of what dress you had on last night or what pair of boots the bloke just bought. Mm-hmm. Um, no. If you, you're fair dinkum and you really want to show what you do, f- as, a, as a, an old musician's respect level, always goes up when I see a bunch of... Uh, videos of kids performing with a bit of heart, yep. whether it's at the local RSL or whether it's a little home thing you've done at home of a cover of someone's. Let's see you sing. Let's let's concentrate on the task at hand. It says in your profile, musician, singer, songwriter. Let's see it. Good I don't want to see the avocado on toast. <laughs> I don't want to see the dress. I'll see the dress on stage when you're singing. Exactly. Yeah. And good I'd like advice. to see more of that. Yeah. And that, that excites me. I, I, I get so many kids that will link me into something, like a, they'll tag me in on Instagram, and it might be a cover of something that I've written years ago. I get n- no more joy. I get so much enjoyment and pride out of watching that. And I go, wow. So you've had a little effect on someone, but also they've shown their skills. Their skill sets have to be shown off. Absolutely. That's the tool. I think that's what it should be used for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How else are we going to know how you sing? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So now speaking of the younger generation, your daughter has just done the College of or Academy, I should say, of Country Music. Um, proud dad over yeah, here. Yeah, very proud dad. And how do you feel about, well, not only your own daughter, but do you feel yourself now coming into more of a mentoring role perhaps as well as, as you know, doing your own career and concentrating on that? But are you keen to maybe step into a little bit more mentoring with your daughter, Jem, and, and maybe some other young artists up and coming? Oh, I've loved the role of mentoring. Um, 
when, when people get time to sit and have a yarn, uh, I think it's vitally important to have someone to aspire to be like or to get advice from. Um, young Indigenous mate of mine who I've, I've known his, his um, mother's family for many, many years in Grafton. He's just moved to Tamworth. He's working at the local schools, uh, tutoring kids in music because he's a conservatorium player. Yep. And I, I knew he was lonely up here. I arrived and I was lonely too. It took me a little while to get get you know settled in yeah. and make friends and all that stuff that's what happens when you come to a new town of course so i took him out on the town the other night now I, I don't know whether you see that as mentoring but it is a way for me to walk him around and say hey listen i remember when this pub used to be the town talk and i remember when this used to be there and yeah. i didn't know that venue was there and I, I said this is great we ended up out there at um at the pub and uh, watched Slim Dusty's original band playing some songs. And it was just really good to be, to be able to talk about life and music together and, um, and just to be able to let him know that, you know, everyone is approachable. No one's too cool to show you around a town that's been very good to them, you know. I still see this as a second home to me here. And I still get a bit of pride in showing, showing it off to people. That's beautiful. And that, 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 that hasn't gone away. So, how long did you spend in Tamworth? You lived here for a few for two years, years. Two years. Yeah. What made you move on from here? Oh, I joined a band. I, I found. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pixie Jenkins and a couple of other musicians said, "Oh, do you know this Blue Healer band up in Maryborough?" And I said, "No." And they said, "Well, you really should go and do a couple of gigs with them because they, they're looking for a singer." And I said, "Oh, okay." So I sent a few tapes up, and. Um, Next minute, I'm in the EH driving up for this Gimpy Muster that I'd never heard of, and played with that band. and And I thought to myself, "Wow, this is different." You know, it's a it's a band where I have a full time role as an offer as a singer and guitarist to come away and fill in. And I think it was after James Blundell had left the band, um, they were just you know at a loose end for a while, and I needed uh, another band to play with. I suppose that I could call my own and yeah. start writing songs with and all that stuff. So that. That was other. If it, if it hadn't been for that band, I'd still be here. I'd say, or I would have moved maybe from here to Sydney to try the that yeah. sort of life down there. But it was all an adventure, and it was just the fact that I'd had two years here where God, I'd have Andrew Claremont asking you to come over, Laurie Minson asking you to come over, Alan Orish doing his jams with Mike Roycroft down yeah. at the Town Talk. Um, it 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 was an obvious place for me to come to because of the music yeah. and the musicians. And I got to say, Mike Roycroft was really good to me. He um. He helped me get a little publishing deal together, uh, recorded some songs with me out at Enric. And, you know, I don't forget that stuff. I think it's really important. It's so important. I think it's really important to remember where you come from. That's probably good advice for any artist, really, to remember where you come from, remember your roots, do you think? Yeah, you know, you've got to honour the, the, the track that you've come on. Yeah. And, um, and a, lot of it, a lot of it has been here for me because of country music, and I know it, it, it's always been the capital of country music to me. So every time I've come back, um, I still feel I have the innocence of a kid, even though I'm 50 this year. Yep. I still feel like I'm about to go and line up for a talent quest and I have nerve, yep. nervous yep. feelings for this town. I don't know. It's never gone, Sal. And um, there's a lot of people that have helped me here. I still get around and see them. And um, I, I think it's really important that you do because a cup of tea with someone's not going to cost you anything. That's right. And, um, and I think it's just nice to be able to just retrace the steps a little bit. I was flicking through photos with some friends there recently when I got to town and they, we couldn't believe how young we were. You know? Yeah. And um, how uh, I think infectious the music was and yeah. still is. Yep. So it, it's, it's great to recall all that. But I'll say to young kids, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to some artists who you really admire because a lot of us don't buy it. 
Yeah. And a lot of us are happy to send even an email back with some sort of an encouraging word. You know? Yeah, that's good advice. Always at least ask. If you don't ask, Just the answer's ask. always no. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now, we've spoken a lot about how you got to where you are. So lots of um, well, well, hard work, really, and and traditionally, as you as we all would expect, lots of gigs, working way up, lots of practice, lots of passion, and that's always been the traditional way to get yourself a career, especially in country music, especially in Australia, to get yourself recognised, get yourself out there. How do you feel about shows like The Voice? And um, you know, there's you can be a, a YouTube sensation now. You can become, you can get a recording deal, like, and I it's probably a bad example, but just. Bieber, for example, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, for loading up a video on YouTube. But uh, these people and these kids in particular haven't done any work. And I, I mean, you know, as someone who's done the work myself, I sort of boo hiss that idea and think, well, yeah. that's all well and good. But what are you going to do when, when you get a recording contract and what happens after that? How do you feel about these instant fame kinds of um, talent searches and things? What do you think about that? Even if they were around... When I was a kid, I would have been too intimidated to go in yeah. anyway. I just don't feel comfortable. Talent quests were hard enough for me, and that was okay. But these these basically are a broadcast talent quest. That's what they are. Um, you know, all the talent quests I went into here, I was always really nervous. Probably shouldn't have even really done them. I, I don't know. It was a great experience when I always came off. I always went, wow, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. But, gee, the build-up was awful because I was so worried about – you know, the, yep. the, the process of being judged, I guess. Exactly. It's hard work. I, I, I think you should spare yourself from being judged. Um, you're judged enough on social media. Um, you're judged enough by your friends, especially the girls. I've, I've watched my daughter go through uh, different things where they feel, oh, I can't wear that because I'll get judged, you know, or, or friends will say, oh, look at her dress. Um, I'd say avoid as much as possible as, as being judged and, and actually form your own judgments of yourself. Uh, give yourself the confidence to do stuff. Uh, be your own critic. If you're your own critic, you've only got yourself to answer to. You can always look back on a video of something and go, ah, oh, gee, that was awful. I won't do that again. Yeah. You've learned. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't take 10 people on, on Instagram to tell you that. Yeah, that's you, right. You should work it out yourself. But, I mean, if it wasn't for those shows, you wouldn't get a guy, Sebastian, maybe, who was, would be continuing to be singing in churches. Yeah. I think he's an incredible talent when I hear him sing and see him play. Um, so there, there are pluses for it. I mean, Judah Kelly, I, I watch. I think what he's doing now by getting into the bars and doing what he was doing before he went into The Voice, I prefer to watch him there any day than on TV because yep. he's a serious talent and little monster, little guitar player. And I'd rather see him do his thing at a local hotel here in Tamworth like he's doing. Um, that The Voice would have helped, would help sell some records and stuff like that. But um, as long as he keeps believing in himself, um, he'll be fine. You know, that's good advice. Actually, just believe in yourself, isn't it? Oh, that would be some of the best advice I've heard. What What is the best advice that you've ever been given? You've worked with incredible people, mentors, and you've toured with people like Mel Haggard. Yeah. Uh, have you been able to gain some stellar gold advice that you've been able to use in your own life and your own career? Oh, look, Slim Dusty said the best thing. He said, "When everyone's in the horse race together, he said, keep your blinkers on and run your own race." He said, don't look left, don't look right. He said, it's not worth it. He said, be yourself. Merle Haggard said, he's just, he said, the only way I ever got through my career was being unique. He said, I never thought I was unique. He said, but now I look back, I know I was, because that's why I was successful. 
And um, I think if you feel like you're something a bit different, um, just hold it inside. You don't have to tell everyone about it. Hold it inside and believe in what you're doing. And um, the, the slim one was perfect for that because, I mean, God, you spend so much time at when you're younger worrying about what everyone else is doing so you can keep up. Absolutely. It's not about keeping up. You know, you've got to have the machete and you've got to cut your own track. And um, I think that's why Slim was so successful. He cut his own path. Um, we all trod on it for years. Keith trod on it for years too, you know. He, he, he embraced Casey and myself and Keith. He embraced new singers and songwriters. He could have been in the perfect position to sit back as a traditional artist, Slim, and said, oh, I don't like all this new music. Yep. I'd rather keep it traditional. No, he was happy to share the enthusiasm for music with everyone whether you um, wore Doc Martens on stage or whatever, you didn't have to wear cowboy boots or RMs around Slim. You could be yourself. And I would, do you think you might disagree with this, but the difference with the country music industry as opposed to maybe the rock or pop industry is that it is a bit more family and there is most people are really happy to help everyone and up-and-coming artists and encourage each other and they go to each other's shows, they play on each other's albums. It is a bit more of a family environment and that attitude of it's not a competition, we're all in it together and, you know, you don't blow out your own candle by helping someone else in all those things. Yeah, uh, it's, I, look, it's a family it, effort, isn't it? it? It really is a family effort. And I, I think that the thing that endeared me to Tamworth when I was a child was the camaraderie. It was being at a show and someone gets up, someone else gets up. There's these friendships. And you're looking at it and you're going, I like this. These fellas are right. They're really friends. Yep. And... That's what we all are continuing our tradition of. Um, I, I love bringing friends to my show at Trek. I love cross-pollinating. At the moment, I'm learning someone's song that I haven't sung for a long time, and he is learning one of mine. Oh, that's great. And we're doing them on each other's shows. Oh. Now, that's, that to me is not only respect, and he's just sent me a video of working out one of the finger-picking parts of my songs, and it's a bit of a handful, but he's got the headphones on, and he's sitting down working out parts to my song, and he's legendary. Fantastic. Ridiculous. And it almost made me cry to watch him do it. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is true. This is real, this stuff. Um, so I always, like I say, I feel privileged to put a show on here because we've got access to our friends. Yep. And when we do our swaps, we know that we're, we're doing it genuinely. Yeah. It's not a... Oh, let's make it my show better than yours. Yeah. It's actually making everyone's shows really enjoyable for their ticket buyers. Because the same people that go to me won't go to Casey, uh, won't go to Graham Connors, won't go to Andrew Swift, whatever. Yeah. They're the people that you sort of go, okay, I've got friends that I'm going to call on to come over and do a couple of songs, and it's real. That's excellent advice. There's oh, room for everybody, isn't there? There really is. Yeah. And like I took out this young fellow the other night, get out and look at this music. Get out and look what's around. Yeah. I've... I've I had a great night. We went to four gigs and um, and sat in for about an hour at each one. That's a proper Tamworth experience really, right really there. It really was, but he was, <laughs> he was happy to sit with me. Yeah. And he would put up with all the autographs and that's yeah. what we're there for. We're yeah. here for that. Of course. But it was. he said, do you ever get sick of this? I said, no. Nah. I said, I don't. I said, I would feel weird if people weren't coming up and saying hi. Yeah. And, um, and we, we just nuzzled into the crowd, watched what was going on. And um, I'm sure when he talks to his mum back in Grafton, he'll, he'll say he had a nice night. Of course he will, and, um, yeah. So what better place to go and get tour guided around than Tamworth, you Yeah, know? making great memories. Yeah. Super. Now, what do you think 
the old term of um, good luck versus hard work? Is a successful career a combination of both? Or do you reckon, as we've all been told, hard work creates good luck? Oh, it's all mixed mixed bag. Yeah. I mean, I had lots of good luck at different times. I had lots of hard work. I think it was half and half myself. Yeah. When I look at it, um, the miles in cars is not hard work. You're not, you're not putting in a fence or anything. Yeah. Well, you're not cutting fence posts. That's yep. hard work. Yeah. Um, hard work is not sitting on a plane you know, getting a red eye from Darwin. That's not yep. hard work. You're tired, but it's not hard work. Mm. Um, I've done a lot of hard work as a kid and understand what it's all about. And I know that our job can be testing at times, but there's a lot of luck. But you've got to make your luck. You know, I made some luck by coming up here and going in some talent quests. Um, that's luck. It's not just... And it was hard work. I practised guitar and wrote the songs, but there's still an element of luck in there too. You've got to be lucky enough that Keith Urban's not in the finals with you or something like that too. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and lucky enough to get people in town here to tell you about a band yep. that you should go and suss out. Yep. That's luck. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, they, they, they didn't really know me that well. They thought I could sing okay. Yeah. But... I think it all comes down to a bit of luck and you've got to sometimes just toss your coins. Don't sit there and go, oh, nothing ever happens for me. You know, you've got to be on the adventure to actually be in the lottery and the whole thing's been a bloody adventure to me. A good adventure. Total adventure. Amazing adventure. I've never, ever felt like I shouldn't be going somewhere when I got in my car. I I had no money. I, I had no ambition. I just had a love of music. And if you could give one little bit of advice to an up-and-coming artist of what to do next, how to get that next step in your career, what would you say to them? Everyone's at different levels. Um, Be the best you can be at your level that you're at. Practice heaps. Practice until it becomes like picking up a glass of water. Don't even look at it as a chore. Yep. Because if it's a chore, you're not going to make it. Absolutely. Um, So just make sure you, you grow to love it. And if you love it, you'll make it. Excellent advice. It's all about the passion. Yeah. 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 Just got to be passionate. It's not about the money. I can tell you that. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, if you're lucky, and this is purely lucky, you'll like what you do. Yep. And success will come. And that's luck. I I, I know that it's hard work. I know I didn't like being away from my kids. I I didn't like being away from my wife. Um, I didn't like sitting in a car for 10 hours getting to places. That's the hard part. The easy part is getting to the gig, setting up your pedals and plugging in. Yeah, that's the easy part. That's fun. Yeah. Making music with people that you love, that's fun. If you get to do that, you never work another day in your life. Absolutely. So, you know, just just be passionate and whatever comes will come. And you've got to get day jobs too. There's a lot of kids out there probably saying, but I've got to pay the bills. Get a day job. I had plenty. Plenty of them. And that's interesting that you say that. It's a really good point because I don't know how many times I've heard artists and I've been told myself that you're not serious about your career if you've got a day job. But we, I think you're more serious because yeah. you're actually supporting your habit. That's right. <laughs> exactly. If you're prepared to do a day job, yep. and it's, even if it's menial and it's something you don't really particularly like. You could, yep. In the old days, I, mean, I worked at service stations when people came out and filled your car up for you. Yep. And, um, and that, was, that was a dull job. Now, how's your oil? Should I do your wiper water? Um, or I'll do your windscreens. And stuff like that. It wasn't the best job. Heat of summer and stuff like that. But you're paying your bills. That's right. Keeping the, the, the bills paid and um, while you're actually able to then on the weekend go and play. Yeah. And Keeps the money the you make is guitar. a bonus, isn't Yeah, exactly. It? Really? It's always a bonus. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always see the, the success and the money thing at one end of it being that should not be the carrot. The carrot should be just like what you do. 
And bring people a bit of joy on your way through, you know. Just be, be nice to people. Excellent advice, Troy Cassadaly. <laughs> I sound like an evangelist, don't <laughs> I? <laughs> Can I get an amen, Brother Troy? That's right, I need an amen. Ow! Just be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that was from our good Lord, Troy Cassadaly. <laughs> Brother Troy, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today, my friend. <laughs> I must say thank you very much, Sal, um, to be able to talk industry. It's great not talking about the latest song or record you've got out. That's what we have to do anyway. Yeah. But... It is, it is an incredible adventure. Get Amazing. out there. Absolutely. Great advice. Get out uh, advice even. Get out there. Good. Yep. Thank you, Troy Cassidelli. Maybe we should leave with a song. What do you think? Yeah, sure. I know it's a, a, an industry podcast, but any excuse to, to hear a song from Troy, I reckon, is a good one. Do you have a song maybe that, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe a song that you sang when you were younger that you loved so much that you just wanted to made you want to be a country music singer there's probably thousands of those oh there's millions of them I'll do one that's not recorded that's probably even better alright perfect um, I, I, I have recorded it but it's not released alright yeah. sneaky peek with Nash beautiful okay what are you gonna do for the world today are you making a living gonna make it pay now listen to what the old folks say That's what I'm gonna do for the world today She's a single mother with her only child Working eight hour shifts from nine to five She'll put food on the table Come what may It's what she's gonna do For the world today What you gonna do When times get hard And kids start running Out of yards And things to do they say What are you gonna do For the world today Are you plowing a field or rowing a hole? Are you climbing mountains too big, too tall? Well, hope is here, we bow and pray. It's what you gotta do for the world today. What you gonna do when times get hard And kids start running out of yards And things to do, they say But what are you gonna do for the world today? Are you sitting alone more than you should? Knowing you can't, thinking you should. 
Well, your children need you here to play It's what you gotta do for the world today What you gonna do when times get hard And kids start running out of yards And things to do, they say What you gonna do when times get hard and kids start running out of yards and things to do, they say. What are we gonna do for the world today? What are we gonna do for the world today? Beautiful, just beautiful. If that is the song that didn't make the album, could you imagine the rest of the songs on the album? That's a throwaway. Get out of here, Troy Cassidy. Get out. <laughs> and that's how you do it, folks. Troy Cassidy. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for our for our first podcast. It's a pleasure to talk to you and some wonderful insights there. Uh, just great pleasure to talk to you. I'm looking forward to sharing it with our um, people on our different social things. It'll be lovely. So let me know when it's out. We will. And we'll share it around. Absolutely. Troy Cassadaly, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our first ever Our Country podcast. On the next edition of Our Country, the Australian Country Music Industry podcast, we speak with current chairman of the CMAA and industry veteran, the wonderful Dobe Newton. I would say to anybody that there are the things that you can, you're born with, certain skills you can hone some of those skills but the one vital thing is information that's on the next edition of our country i hope you can join us then our country the australian country music industry podcast is a production of radio 2tm tamworth our host is sally ann witten production is by jared brooke and scott mclaren and our executive producer is gavin flanagan 